0: No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible.
1: Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we return to our study of the book of Jeremiah, as we see how Jeremiah weeps over the sinful condition of his people and the desolation of Judah. We hope you join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Jeremiah chapter 9 on Simply the Bible. In my opinion, weeping is underrated.
0: Yes, there is a time to rejoice and we love it, but there's also a time to weep. Jeremiah lived during the death of his nation, and he became known as the weeping prophet because of the judgment that was coming upon Judah and his reaction to it. We continue in Jeremiah chapter 9. Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears. That I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Jeremiah uses hyperbole. If his head were a reservoir of waters and his eyes a fountain of tears, then he could weep day and night over the slain of the daughter of his people. Have you ever known such grief? Have you ever wept so much that you feel like you have no tears left? This was Jeremiah's condition. As painful as weeping can be, tears do bring a certain comfort and healing. Oh, that I had in the wilderness a lodging place for travelers that I might leave my people and go from them. In his sorrow, Jeremiah imagines himself far away from the problems in Jerusalem at a cozy little bed and breakfast in the country. He could serve travelers and not have to deal with really knowing their problems. But that wasn't where God called him. God called him to prophesy in Jerusalem to these people who would reject his message. For they are all adulterers, an assembly of treacherous men, and like their bow, they have bent their tongues for lies. They are not valiant for the truth on the earth, for they proceed from evil to evil, and they do not know me, says the Lord. Everyone take heed to his neighbor, And do not trust any brother, for every brother will utterly supplant, and every neighbor will walk with slanderers. Everyone will deceive his neighbor and will not speak the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies. They weary themselves to commit iniquity. Your dwelling place is in the midst of deceit through deceit. They refuse to know me, says the Lord. Jeremiah compiles quite a list here of charges against the people of Judah. Adultery. It's not clear if the adultery was against their own wives or against God or both. But they were an assembly of treacherous men. Deceit. Like a bow, they bent their tongues for lies. Deceit had become such a way of life for them that they would use it to manipulate others. Evildoers. They wearied themselves, practicing evil, because they did not know God. Untrustworthy. Jeremiah warned them, don't trust your neighbor or even your brother. Brothers will supplant and neighbors will slander. Rebellious. It wasn't that they couldn't know God, but they loved their sin and didn't want to submit to him. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, behold, I will refine them and try them, for how shall I deal with the daughter of my people. Their tongue is an arrow shot out. It speaks deceit. One speaks peaceably to his neighbor with his mouth, but in his heart, he lies in wait. Shall I not punish them for these things, says the Lord? Shall I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? For all their sins, God would refine and try his people. He could have destroyed them, But instead, he would punish them through the destruction of Jerusalem. Now, the Lord joins Jeremiah in the rebuke. While Jeremiah said that their tongue was like a pulled bow, God said it was like an arrow shot out. They were treacherous in that they spoke peaceably to their neighbors, while in their hearts they plotted their demise. I will take up a weeping and wailing for the mountains and for the dwelling places of the wilderness a lamentation because they are burned up so that no one can pass through, nor can men hear the voice of the cattle. Both the birds of the heavens and the beasts have fled. They are gone. I will make Jerusalem a heap of ruins, a den of jackals. I will make the cities of Judah desolate without an inhabitant. God took up weeping and wailing for the mountains surrounding Jerusalem and for the dwelling places of the wilderness, for they would all be burned up. Birds and beasts would flee and there would be no more livestock. Jerusalem would be made into a heap of ruins and a den of jackals. The cities of Judah would be made desolate with no inhabitants when they were invaded by the Babylonians. Who is the wise man who may understand this? And who is he to whom the mouth of the Lord has spoken that he may declare it? Why does the land perish and burn up like a wilderness so that no one can pass through? God sought someone who would turn away from the evil of the times and be wise. Someone who would pay attention to what was going on. Jeremiah was such a person who spoke wisdom to his generation. The Lord is still seeking such people who will declare to others their sins and warn them of the judgment to come. The people of Judah rested in the false assurance that they were God's covenant people. But if God was with them, then why were so many things going wrong? Why was he allowing the Babylonians to invade their country so that no one could come and go? And the Lord said, because they have forsaken my law, which I set before them and have not obeyed my voice, nor walked according to it. But they have walked according to the dictates of their own hearts, and after the Baals, which their fathers taught them. Therefore thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will feed them, this people, with wormwood, and give them the water of gall to drink. I will scatter them also among the Gentiles, whom neither they nor their fathers have known and I will send a sword after them until I have consumed them. God had given them his law, but rather than living by it and being blessed, they considered it to be a burden. They turned their backs on God, following the dictates of their own hearts. But this had led them into such spiritual darkness that now they were worshiping things that were not God's, the sun, the moon, and the Baal's. Therefore, God would feed them wormwood, a bitter shrub. The water of Gaul probably referred to bitter water. Their path would cause them to be cast out of their precious homeland and become slaves to foreigners or else die by the sword. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider and call for the mourning women that they may come and send for skillful wailing women that they may come. Let them make haste and take up a wailing for us that our eyes may run with tears and our eyelids gush with water for a voice of wailing is heard from Zion. How we are plundered. We are greatly ashamed because we have forsaken the land, because we have been cast out of our dwellings. Yet hear the word of the Lord, O women and let your ear receive the word of his mouth. Teach your daughters wailing, and everyone her neighbor a lamentation. Now earlier, Jeremiah wished his eyes were a fountain so that he could weep. But here God assigns the task to women to mourn, wail, and weep, and even to teach their daughters to do the same. Can you imagine this as part of our educational curriculum? What if in addition to math and reading, we taught our children to mourn? What if we taught them that every great spiritual awakening and cultural renaissance occurred when people humbled themselves before God and were broken over their sins? How much more useful would that have been to me than the French I took? For death has come through our windows, has entered our palaces to kill off the children, No longer to be outside, and the young men no longer on the streets speak. Thus says the Lord, Even the carcasses of men shall fall as refuse on the open field, like cuttings after the harvester, and no one shall gather them. The Babylonians were expert archers, and their arrows would soon come through the windows, killing the children in their homes. They would shoot down the young men in the streets. There would be so many dead bodies in the fields that they would be like the cuttings of hay, but no one would gather and bury them. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. There are many things in which people boast. While the Bible tells us to let someone else praise us and not our own lips, boasting makes people feel good, so we find ways to do it. Now, boasting in your own wisdom, might, or riches is foolishness because there's always someone wiser, mightier, or richer than you. Also, these things are only temporary. So then, in what can we boast? God says, let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. Now, if you were personal friends with a celebrity, wouldn't you want people to know? Wouldn't you drop hints that so-and-so is your personal friend? It makes us feel important. How much greater to know the creator and king of the universe? Consider what God does. He exercises loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in all the earth in these I delight says the Lord now it is God's loving kindness that attracts us to him when I think of this trait I think of my grandmother who would rise early to fix my favorite breakfast fried potatoes with eggs it never seemed like a burden to her she delighted in doing it and that simple act of service drew me to the Jesus she loved In addition to his loving kindness, it's God's judgment and righteousness that make him the judge of the world and worthy to be feared. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will punish all who are circumcised with the uncircumcised, Egypt, Edom, the people of Ammon, Moab, and all who are in the farthest corners who dwell in the wilderness. For all these nations are uncircumcised and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in heart." Circumcision was the sign of God's covenant that he made with Abraham. The cutting away of the flesh in the most private area of the male anatomy signified a heart cut away from the flesh to please God. Now, Israel always knew that God would punish the uncircumcised Gentiles. But for Jeremiah to include Judah in his list of uncircumcised nations was highly offensive to them. After all, they were circumcised but they were trusting in the outward ritual to justify them rather than a heart truly devoted to God. Jeremiah pointed out that in reality they were as uncircumcised as the Gentiles. No doubt this was a difficult message for Jeremiah to deliver. Nobody wanted to hear it. They comforted themselves with lies that everyone was going to be okay rather than facing the just consequences for their sins. But Jeremiah was faithful to deliver God's words. We must remember that God will always keep his promises, whether to bless those who trust in him and keep his word, or to punish those who don't. May God help us to humble ourselves, to do what he says, and to remain in his love.
1: You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify and please leave us a review. Tomorrow we will see where Jeremiah contrasts the vanity of idols with the true and living God who created all things. Destruction is coming. So Jeremiah prays for guidance. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Jeremiah on Simply the
0: Bible.